every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, Money Talk, at the start of a brand new month. It's Friday, the 1st of December. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, China's manufacturing activity contracted for the second month in November, indicating weakening momentum in the world's second largest economy. The official National Bureau of Statistics Manufacturing PMI inched down to 49.4 in November from 49.5 in October. That was below market forecasts and pointing to the second straight month of decline. The data comes despite increased government's efforts to boost growth. Retail sales in Hong Kong rose 2.7% year-on-year in October, sharply easing from a revised 10% increase in the previous month. It was the smallest increase since December 2022. On a monthly basis, retail sales declined by 1.6% in October. That's compared to a 0.1% fall in September. Data released Thursday in the United States showed that the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which is the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge, rose 3.5% on a year-over-year basis, slowing from a 3.7% annual gain in the prior month. It was the slowest rise in inflation since April 2021. The result was in line with economists' expectations. On a monthly basis, core PCI prices advanced by 0.2%, easing from a 0.3% increase in September. One of China's largest investment banks has warned its analysts against making any bearish calls and to avoid showing off their lavish lifestyle. According to an internal memo seen by Bloomberg News, analysts at China International Capital Corp are barred from sharing negative comments about the economy or markets in both public and private discussions. On today's programme, I'm joined by Francis Lund, the CEO of GEO Securities, and Kenny Wen, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. With a view from Australia is Toby Lawson, the CEO of Staten Partners. If you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. On Wall Street, the Dow jumped to a new 2023 high as US stocks wrapped up their best month since July 2022. The Dow surged 520 points, that's 1.5% to 35,951, surpassing its previous high for the year reached in August. The Dow closed out November with an 8.8% gain, ending a three-month losing streak. And it was boosted on the final day of the month by a 9.4% jump in shares of cloud software company Salesforce, which reported better than expected earnings and revenue for the fiscal third quarter. The S&P 500 climbed 0.4% to 4,568. The benchmark index was up 8.9% in November. The Nasdaq Composite was 0.2% lower at 14,226 as investors took some profits in the big tech stocks that have led the November rally. The Nasdaq advanced 10.7% last month. Both the S&P 500 and Nasdaq saw their best monthly performances since July 2022, leaving them both around 1% away from their 2023 highs. The rise in US equities helped global stocks have their best month for three years, as measured by MSCI's World Stocks Index. US government bonds saw their best monthly gain since August 2019. 
The yield on the benchmark 10-year bond, which moves inversely to price, rose six basis points yesterday to 4.33%, having hit the lowest level since September during the previous session. And remember, the 10-year yield hit a 16-year high of just over 5% in October. The two-year yield rose five basis points to 4.70%. Since mid-October, yields on two-year treasuries have fallen now from 5.2%, which was their highest level since 2006. The US dollar index posted its biggest loss of the year last month. The index, which tracks the US dollar against a basket of currencies, slid 3% since November began. It's the worst monthly performance since November 2022, when the index dropped 5%. Gold pulled back 0.4% to $2,035 per ounce on Thursday, retracing earlier gains in response to a rebound in the greenback. Spot gold gained 2.7% in November, its second consecutive monthly advance. Oil fell on Thursday, ending a two-day upward trend after the OPEC Plus cartel collectively agreed to an additional 1 million barrels a day output reduction. Brent crude oil settled Thursday 2.7% lower at $80.86 a barrel. Brent oil futures fell 4.9% in November, and that follows a 10.8% loss in October. In Hong Kong, the poor old Hang Seng Index, it ended Thursday up 49 points, that's a third of a percent at 17,043, but the Hang Seng has wiped out all of its gains for November and is down 0.4% since the start of the month. That's its fourth consecutive month of losses. For the year to date, the Hang Seng is down 13.8%, making it the worst performer out of over 90 major equity indices globally. The Shanghai Composites was up just 0.4% in November and is down 1.9% year-to-date. And unfortunately, the slide in the Hang Seng looks set to continue at the open. Futures markets pointing to another loss of about 40 points. That's about a third of a percent. Looks like the index is going to start the day bang on the level of 17,000. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Well, I can tell you we don't ban bearish commentary on the markets or the economy here on Money Talk. So. And we don't have lavish uh, uh, lifestyle. <laughs> so I'm going to be very intrigued to hear what the two of you had to say this morning about the economy and the markets. We have with us, as always on a Friday, Francis Lund, the CEO of GEO Securities. Welcome, Francis. Uh, good morning. And also with us is Kenny Wen, who is Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. Morning to you, Kenny. Good morning. Well, let's tempt you, first of all, then with the economy because we did have some data out of China which shows it's uh, rather losing momentum the manufacturing activity contracted for the second month in November the official National Bureau of Statistics manufacturing PMI inched down to 49.4 in November from 49.5 in October that was below market forecasts of 49% and it is the second straight month of declines new orders foreign sales and uh, employment all fell output also expanded by the lease since uh, July and buying levels also uh, fell off as well. The non-manufacturing PMI, that dropped to the lowest level of the year. The official MBS non-manufacturing PMI for China was only just in expansion territory, falling to an 11-month low of 50.2 in November from 50.6 a month earlier. Francis, disappointed or not surprised? Well, not surprised because because we see the uh, stock market losing momentum uh, and especially the retail stocks been falling quite mm. a bit uh, this month. So it shows really declining sales and lower consumption. 
And uh, of course, that, we, that, that is reflected in the PMI index in the manufacturing. So uh, I, I, I think uh, the uh, recovery from the SARS, uh, from the COVID lockdown have uh, run out of uh, uh, momentum. I think the government need to do more, like giving our ex- ex- expenditure vouchers. They just <laughs> to don't want to do the that, economy. Do they? <laughs> they just don't want to do that, though. Uh, that's why, of course, that, that is a really heavy. Uh, budget expense, certainly. Kenny, when we saw the GDP data, it was not too bad, wasn't it? But I, I suppose the difference here is GDP is backward-looking because it was talking about the last quarter, whereas these PMI numbers are more forward-looking. They're talking about what's happening right now. So what do we make? Them, do we make more of these PMI numbers than the GDP? What do you think? Yes, uh, when we talk about the PMI data, I would like to uh, reveal the recent pattern or, uh, during the past one year because for the past six months or a year, uh, the manufacturing data, uh, was relatively poor, mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand, the loan uh, manufacturing index was relatively strong or resilient. However, for the past few months, we we see the trend is reversed it or. or uh, changed it. We see the manufacturing stabilized, but on the other hand, uh, the surface or lawn manufacturing start to drop it. So we refer to the yesterday data. You can see that both manufacturing and lawn manufacturing is dropped. Uh, dropped it. So the situation is quite worrying. And when we talk about whether we should put more um, uh, government measure or execute more uh, stimulating measure, if we've only focused on 2023, uh, the answer is no, we no need. Because for the first Q, uh, first three quarters, the GDP growth is uh, 5.2. Uh, actually, we just need 4.4 GDP growth for the fourth quarter. Then we can uh, achieve our 5% target. However, if we focus on longer term for 2024, I do think that when we face uh, both manufacturing and non-manufacturing uh, slowing down, we need a better fund, fund, fundamental or uh, to, to for, for 2024. So we, I think that for the stock market as uh, investors or for the, for the uh, overall economy, that's very important mm. to, uh, to, to look for another round of stimulus measure in order to achieve a, uh, of course, we don't know the next year target right now. Uh, it will announce in uh, March next year, maybe 4.5 to 5 or around 5. But anyway, I think more stimulus measure, uh, not only monetary, but also physical stimulus uh, activity is needed. And regarding the GDP, because the, we, we, when we uh, talk about the kill fleet, actually is okay. But now we are talking about uh, November and December. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe the Q4 uh, GDP data will slow down. But anyway, I agree that uh, PMI data is a forward-looking data, which is uh, maybe more important or more forward-looking uh, uh, when we make an, any, any economic decision. If if you look into that non-manufacturing PMI a little deeper, the services component of that, because non-manufacturing includes things like uh, farming and uh, construction as well, the services component, that fell into contraction. It dropped to 49.3 from 50.1 the previous month. That, that's a bit of a setback, isn't it? Because it had been services that have been doing reasonably well. People were still going out to the cinema, dining out. They were still traveling and flying. Um, so this is, this is a bit of a worry as well, isn't it? If services yes. is now in, contra- uh, in contraction. 
Yes, exactly what I just mentioned is uh, for the manufacturing, we don't have much expectation, but for the lawn manufacturing and services, it also dropped it then is a uh, alarming uh, uh, situation which we, we need to, uh, to constantly monitor. Mm. You, you mentioned we need some more stimulus. Are yeah. you not satisfied with what we've seen so far? Because we've seen quite a bit, haven't we, from the government, albeit rather piecemeal. But, you know, you put them all together. They've come up with a number of proposals now. Yeah, you, you just mentioned piecemeal. So there's the, the key issue, because I think that uh, according to the data for China, uh, economy, they are lack of consumption. But we go deeper. Why we lack of consumption? I will say, because we we don't have the enough confidence. So we we need a really large, uh, not piecemeal, uh, stimulus measure to uh, reactivate the confidence, to in- enhance the confidence in order to uh, motivate people to invest or uh, or to cons- cons- consumption. Then the the uh, economic situation will uh, can uh, more easily to stabilize. So I'm looking for more stimulus. At the end of the day, it seems, Francis, that if you want to get people to spend more, um, then you've got to get their income up as well. If household income goes up, then people will start to spend. And and Chinese people are being rather cautious at the moment. They don't want to spend more than their income. So how do you get that income up for for Chinese households? uh, Well, there are two components. One is the stock market. The other is the property market. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Just like Hong Kong. (laughs) Uh, The stock market is going down and the property market is doing even worse. (laughs) (laughs) So people have no confidence whatsoever for the future and um, many many Chinese buy a second home for, for investment mm. but even the second home is is depreciating so they feel poor and they don't want to spend money they want to save for the, for for, for mm. tomorrow and this is difficult to do because uh, how do you stop the property market from from crashing to the bottom i think that is that is the most serious thing that the uh, government official must tackle. Mm, but uh, that's it, it, we don't really know what the, the true clearing price is of property anyway, because the government has all these restrictions yeah. on prices you can sell at. So we never really find out mm-hmm. what is the real value of these properties. And they, we probably never will, because the government's too frightened to, yeah, to that, let prices slide. That, that's why if the property for, uh, prices falls out, uh, through the bottom, People will demonstrate, people Mm. will be so unhappy. Uh, Well, actually, the same thing happened in Hong Kong. But uh, Hong Kong people are much more restrained. They don't go out and demonstrate. Mm. (laughs) I I want to add one more point here. I I agree that uh, increasing the income is the most efficient way to boost up investment and consumption. But I do think that um, for income in China, it may not... Uh, that worst case scenario because if we refer to the uh, banking saving uh, starting from 2021 2022 we continue to see excess saving uh, uh, going, uh, going into the banking system mm. so if they have confidence uh, even though the income did not uh, do not go up uh, significantly but just they save less then they can spend more so mm. I think Back to back to the the, the most uh, fundamental issue is is the confidence issue. So, uh, government need to do more. For example, <clears throat> they may keep the uh, physical deficit uh, 
uh, at the three point eight percent just like this year, so they can spend more and uh, boost up the economy. That you know, order to uh, give confidence to the public. But I do I agree that uh, helping the property sector and the uh, financial uh, sector is most important. Well, we've heard talk that of, of sort of rumours about quantitative easing going on. Now, in the West, quantitative easing was basically giving households and consumers money in various forms, mm-hmm. whether it was through uh, tax cuts or consumption vouchers or direct handouts, whatever it is. I presume quantitative easing on the mainland will be quantitative easing with Chinese characteristics, so it won't be the same <laughs> as what we've seen elsewhere. But but what do you think uh, the government is thinking of here? Well, actually, under the uh, previous Premier Li Keqiang, he tried uh, to cut taxes, etc. Mm. But uh, the the results hasn't really been that uh, significant. So uh, uh, and the current uh, uh, Premier Li Li Chiang, I I don't think he will use this quantitative easing. Mm. So uh, uh, basically, he has to ask uh, uh, Chairman Xi Jinping whether he likes to uh, 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 cut taxes and then uh, give people more money and things like that. But I doubt that will happen because. uh, uh, when the tough, uh, when the things go tough, and then the chairman see we just ask you to eat bitterness, just suffer with it. Yeah, I I <laughs> I, I also don't think that they will execute the quantitative easing, which is called QE, mm. because I think uh in for China they uh, QE is related to monetary policy, so I think China is relying too much on the uh, monetary policy. But on the other hand, they, they should enhance or increase the physical policy or physical measures. Because uh, one key point is we need to take care of the LMB. And then also we are not U.S., uh, we are not a, a, a reserve currency for many uh, central banks. So we do not have the capability to printing uh, loan unlimited monies. And also it hurt RMB. So if RMB keep depreciate, no one will hold RMB asset. It is, that, that will be very, very trouble for, for the China, uh, China government. So I think uh, that's why you, even though we do expect they will uh, reduce triple R or the interest rate in coming three to six months, but the key points should move into the physical uh, measures. Right. And what about here in Hong Kong? Retail sales down uh, rose 2.7% in October, <laughs> but slower than the 10% increase yeah. we saw the previous month. I presume here... Also, the property market has a big impact, and exactly. um, everything is dependent on interest rates, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Which are very high for Hong Kong at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, when we see property prices going down, then then we will see more people going north to uh, for their weekends, and mm. then and then spend uh, five hundred dollars on a meal for the family instead of one thousand dollars. Two thousand in Hong Kong, <laughs> <laughs> and also they, they, some of them. I'm saying that they, in, in mainland China, they can enjoy better services. So I think the key point is, uh, on one end, uh, we having we we are uh, facing uh, a negative wealth in wealth effect uh, come from dropping property prices and mm-hmm. Hang Seng Index, and also structurally is many people will prefer to shopping or spending money in mainland China. So. 
really difficult to to solve the the later one, which is structural issue. How to stop people going to China? Which we are talking about integration. Mm, well, we can't really. Well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? We, the, mm. John Lee's pleased because he says it's a sign that we're integrating well with the mainland. And there's <laughs> yeah. still seven million people left who could spend here. Yes, uh, every exactly. Weekend. We are but, always talking about the Great Bay Area. <laughs> but but some of them will not share their wealth with us. That's the problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go to Shenzhen for some handouts. Yeah, that's right. you go. I want to talk about the markets with you mm. yeah. because uh, November is over. We're coming into the, well, we are now in the final month of the year. So we're starting to think about 2024 as well. Um, here's some of the performances of the major indices in November. The S&P 500 up 8.9%. The Nasdaq up 10.7%. In Europe, the Stock 600 up 6.4%. The DAX in Germany, the best performer there, up 9.5% uh, on the month. That was its best rise for three years. Here in Asia, uh, in Australia, first of all, the ASX 200 up 4.5%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 up 8.5%. The Cosby in South Korea up 11.3%. And then over in India, the Nifty 50 up 5.5% for the month. All looking good until we get to Hong Kong. Unfortunately, the Hang Seng's wiped out all of its gains for yeah. November. It's actually <laughs> down now 0.4%. It's fourth month of um, losses for the year to date mm-hmm. it's down 13.8 percent that yeah. makes it the worst performer out of the major equity indices globally the shanghai composite also almost given up all of its november gains it's up just 0.4 percent month on month uh, sorry month in, in november for the year to date down 1.9 percent um, this is a big standout, isn't it, from what I yeah. told you about in other, in other global markets. Mm-hmm. Are we anywhere near the bottom yet? Well, judging from the stock market, I don't think so. Because uh, you, you look at all the leading tech stocks, uh, just uh, everyone's going down. Maybe except the 10 cent uh, is a little bit better. But I think that has to do with the market and and also the competition they Mm -hmm. face uh, in the market. Uh, You look at the U.S. list, Pink Dodor, they have risen, I don't know, double this year. Yeah, they've doubled, yeah. Yeah, double this year. Almost overtaken Alibaba now in market value. That's right. And and then you have uh, ByteDance and then also uh, Shein. Uh, these two uh, websites are really taking business away from the uh, listed ones. So it's difficult for the Hong Kong market to perform uh, well in December. So I think uh, uh, Hong Kong will end up uh, uh, in 2023 uh, with a market. It will be four years in a row that the mm-hmm. Hong Kong market uh, uh, goes goes down and uh, which is uh, rare among major markets in the world you don't normally see that that no, four-year slides uh, do you not, in any markets uh, in any major uh, markets right. not even in the u.s market despite the first world war and second world war <laughs> <laughs> So when, when, when you talk about the November Hang Seng Index performance, I, I do want to mention that uh, uh, on last Thursday, actually, Hang Seng Index uh, was on around 17,900. Mm. So that poor performance uh, may be mainly driven by the past few days. Yeah, and, the last four days, the Hang Seng's yeah. off 5%. And interestingly, uh, 
uh, before I, I went to Australia, uh, that is on first day, Hang Seng Index performed okay, good. But when I <laughs> <laughs> and I really went back. to Australia, uh, and then you can see that it, you just mentioned dropped the five percent. But now I I come back to Hong Kong, and you see yesterday Hang Seng Index is stabilized. So so, so the market will, will go up because of you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, back to the. the uh, I think you should share your travel plans with us before yes. you go next time, please. So at least uh, no need to too worry because I come back to Hong Kong now. But anyway, I I I do think that for the past few days is not driven by some macro issue. Mainly uh, specific company problem, for example, Meituan, and then some uh, uh, single stock. But when they when their stock price dropped ten uh, percent in single day, I think maybe um, partly reflected those uncertainties. So I think that for very short term, uh, at around uh, 19,800, <clears throat> 19, should have a a uh, initial support, and in that level for short term, the further downside short term may not be too much. But of course, I agree that we really don't have much good uh, factors, uh, positive factors. So uh, I will expect a range trading for December uh, at around maybe eighteen thousand will be a very strong resistance level. I'm not very bearish, but uh, uh, but we we. To, we should not have too much expectation as well. There seems to be three stocks in particular that people have been focusing on that have really drained the confidence from the markets. Mm-hmm. Alibaba, Metran and BYD. Alibaba mm-hmm. uh, sank to a new record low at one point uh, yeah. yesterday since it was mm-hmm. listed. Metran is down at a 44-month uh, low. What, what's gone wrong for, for those stocks, which, are, which had been darlings of the market for a while, hadn't they? Well, uh, actually, Metran reported strong third quarter results. The only problem is that uh, they are bearish on the fourth quarter, mm. and they, and uh, for Alibaba, they really they are facing uh, increased competition from other websites. I think uh, uh, like, like PDD, Ping Dot, yeah. uh, uh, so so even Ma Ma Ma, Ma Yun, uh, himself uh, okay. acknowledged that they are facing increased competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for BYD, the problem is that the uh, car market, the electric car, uh, vehicle market, is actually uh, getting to be one that supply exceeds demand. And you have uh, price competition between the automakers. And, and, of, and uh, in China, for the EV market, you just have too many players. That, uh, and many of them will not survive. It's a cutthroat this, this market, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how, how can you make much money when you sell a car at uh, 150,000 yuan? Mm. It's very thin margin. I would like to talk more about uh, Alibaba because I think <clears throat> BYD is okay. Uh, return is just forget about it. Uh, for <laughs> Alibaba, it will be very interesting. I think the key point is, uh, as we all know, they have a company restructure plan uh, in the early uh, this year, uh, early this year, and then they cancel the plan. And also during the year, uh, one of the top management, Mr. Zhang Yong, uh, leave the company. So for institutional investor, they will believe that uh, the company direction is not clear. Uh, they do not know. Uh, they are very mixed. Uh, uh, the development uh, uh, futures. <clears throat> mm. 
So that's why they sold the stocks. But uh, for the past few days, uh, we see that the new CEO already announced a very detailed plan for the future. So if we understand that it is a post Jack Ma new Ali, then uh, we can have a six month or a year observation whether uh, new Alibaba leading by new CEO uh, whether they can uh, turn around uh, to to enhance another uh, growth engine. So. Uh, coming six months to one year will be very important whether they can find the second growth curve or they will uh, just uh, stay behind. So we will closely monitor uh, Alibaba <coughs> uh, corporate earnings in the coming few quarters. Now we had on Wednesday that sort of surprise intervention from Jack Ma on, the, on their mm-hmm. internal bulletin board, basically yeah. praising PDD and, and, and mm-hmm. sort of urging Ali, uh, Alibaba to be more like PDD and, and to embark <laughs> on um, <laughs> fundamental change, he said. Yeah. Is this a sign, do you think, that Jack Ma is going to get more involved again in Alibaba? We hope so, because uh, 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 for the last few years, actually, uh, uh, Alibaba is just resting on their laurels. They haven't really made much progress. Uh, Mm. Of course, part of it is really government intervention. But uh, in this uh, market, if you don't progress, you 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 regress. That's the problem. I think uh, that's the problem with the the big techs. I think uh, sooner or later somebody will catch up with you, and then you yes. become a nobody. I I don't think that <coughs> Jack Ma Jack Ma should influence the company too much anymore because he already stepped down and yeah he, he is holding less than five percent of the the stocks. So with the new CEO. Just let the new CEO to deliver his uh, plan, execute his plan. If uh, Jack Ma is a very as a key per- person to influence too much, then for the company uh, staff or management will feel confusing. So just step down and enjoy his retirement life. Let the new CEO to do it. It will be much much better, I think. So it really depends on this restructuring plan and uh, yes. the future of Alibaba and the stock price. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, thank you very much. Um, I don't know whether you were bearish or not there, but uh, (laughs) we don't mind on Money Talk. You're allowed to be bearish. Thank you very much indeed for coming in. You heard there Kenny Wen, who's the head of investment strategy at KGI Asia. Francis Lun, who is the CEO of Geo Securities. I'm joined now by Toby Lawson, who is the CEO of Staten Partners down in Sydney, Australia. Morning, Toby. Good morning, Peter. Now, we had data yesterday showing inflation in Australia slowing more than expected. The Consumer Price Index came in at 4.9% compared with the 5.2% expected by economists and also sharply lower than the 5.6% seen in September, which was um, a five-month high. Um, Has inflation been vanquished now in Australia? (laughs) Uh, slightly preemptive i think peter um one swallow does not make a summer (laughs) uh, i think is the expression it definitely was at the low end of expectations at 4.9 the trim mean which is a you know a trim mean measure which the rba used was at 5.3 percent which was also down but 5.3 percent when you're targeting two to three percent inflation still way too high the other thing to note about the monthly series is that it doesn't include all of the services um, components. Mm. Um, it includes some. And the services components is where the stickier inflation is. Uh, and so it may not necessarily reflect the reality. It is a good result. It certainly means it's tempered some of the, definitely tempered a view that there'll be no rate cut, rate hike next week. But uh, I don't think it takes it off the table necessarily. So good result. 
um, you know, uh, positive for the markets. But uh, I still think that uh, you got to look in the devil in the detail a little bit that it probably doesn't tell you that uh, they've won the battle. What is the bias of the Reserve Bank of Australia at the moment? Are, are, are they on the side of um, holding now like the, the Fed is or are they still more inclined to go and raise rates or maybe cut rates? What, what's their bias particularly right now? Uh, I think the bias is still on the, on the higher rates, uh, but marginally. So mm. I think their desire would be to hold them and certainly hold them for longer. But I don't think the language that they've used is as, um, as dovish or at least as um, positive as the Fed is or as the ECB may be. I think the reality in Australia is we probably have a slightly stickier services inflation. We are also driven by a higher population growth, which is leading to some some throughput in terms of price pressures in the housing sector. So there's some structural issues in Australia that probably mean we, we might be a little higher on the curve in terms of inflation. So the Reserve Bank are pivoting more towards um, uh, the higher rate position uh, at this point in time. People are worried about um, the risk of inflation to the upside spiking up. I'm wondering, though, if we're maybe ignoring uh, the risk to the downside, because if you look at what inflation is doing, we had the PCE data out of the United States yesterday showed uh, inflation rising the least since April 2021. Uh, Eurozone inflation coming down um, over there in Australia. Over in China, we've got deflation at the moment. Are people maybe um, underpricing the risk um, that uh, that inflation could drop below targets? Well, I think that's a, the contrarian view. Um, and it's a really good question. I don't know the answer. and uh, But if you look at the way the market's behaving, particularly in the equity market, uh, often it's a good indicator of how, how investors feel about that that and other topics. Mm. So the it would suggest that maybe the read is. Now, ironically, though, you would think that in, if inflation falls quickly and in a deflationary sense it's not good for growth mm. and it'll be a sign that uh, economic demand has been crushed much more than what uh, you know, what is currently being priced in which would ne- necessarily be counterintuitive negative for equities so um, it is a bit confusing um, in terms of how the market is behaving relative to a view on inflation um, a quick move back in a deflationary sense would be potentially negative because it would reflect a, a crushing of demand um, a more moderately declining inflation is probably the perfect scenario for the but market. The markets seem to be, if you look at what they're doing at the moment, it, it seems to be indicating a view that um, we're going to see what they call good rate cuts. In other words, the Fed is going to cut rates not because uh, the economy has sunk into recession, but simply because inflation keeps on coming down, gets close to target, and therefore there's plenty of room uh, to lower rates. But the economy is still chugging along at a, at a reasonable rate. That, that, that seems to be the market view. But is it the right one, do you think? It's the Goldilocks scenario really that the market's uh, pricing in at the moment then you know when you see gdp at 5.2 percent third quarter when you see the pce uh, on the core coming down to three and a half well you see earnings still pretty good the consumer still uh, in terms of the you know black friday and cyber monday sales spending plenty of money it's hard not to be positive mm. um but if you look at the forward indicator on growth for december quarter you know they're looking at a big drop to 1.8 percent um uh, so yeah, we're expecting um, some headwinds coming through. Right now, it's it, the Goldilocks scenario seems to be able to play out, um, and uh, the equity markets responding, you know, with a eight to ten percent move in stocks over the month is pretty impressive. 
uh, particularly in the, you know, uh, the Dow and, and, and across to the NASDAQ. So it's, yeah, it's positive right now, but there are some headwinds coming. Uh, you know, even overnight you saw in the pending home sales, mm. they were the lowest, uh, the index of the of, of pending home sales is the lowest since, record, since records were taken, 2001. So not everything's positive, but the news in the at the at least at the zeitgeist level is very very much a Goldilocks scenario. Mm, there are there are some as you say there are some warnings out there though, aren't there? You, you mentioned the housing market, also the jobs markets. We had the data yesterday, continuing claims uh, moving up. There are some signs, aren't there, that um, uh, mm. that the, the housing market and the jobs market are starting to soften. Well, and you also saw Canada's GDP overnight, mm. and it's always a good one. Canada can be, a, you know, is, a, is is well correlated to Australia in many ways, uh, as a as a similar type economy. Its GDP dropped one point one percent on an annualised basis when they're expecting a rise of point two. So that that's caught them a bit off guard, which suggests that the rate hikes that have, you know, been baked into the in the Canadian economy are starting to bite hard. So yeah, timing. A sequential nature of economies it's hard to read um uh, the goldilocks scenario seems to be the preferred status uh, in terms of investor sentiment right now but it can shift and uh, i'd be watching a little bit in those headwinds that may come through and what do you make of the performance of equity markets if i look around well I look around the world the s&p 500 in november up almost nine percent the nasdaq uh, up 10.7 percent in europe the stock 600 up 6.4 percent the best performer there was germany the dax uh, was up nine uh, sorry the dax was up nine and a half percent that's its best performance in three years um japan the nikkei 225 up eight and a half percent really been a an excellent month hasn't it following three pretty poor Mm. months yes i think you got to factor that so the bounce out of a of a a very poor quarter quarter of of equity performance so november was a real bounce out i think uh for dow jones it was the best uh, month since october 22 and i think for s p and nasdaq um i think it goes even further back in terms of uh, performance from a monthly basis so we were expecting November historically being a good month, particularly when you've had some negativity in the previous quarter. Um, that was always going to see a bounce. Um, you saw some the bond market start to come off. You know, you saw ten years going around five percent going into the beginning of the month. They finished at four and a half, uh, and even lower. Um, that was a big positive uh, driver of stocks. So there's a couple of things that drove um, investor sentiment there. You got, and oh, the other thing that's most interesting is that it wasn't necessarily the magnificent seven. That was driving stock prices over the month as well. It was much broader, and that's an in, an interesting fact that uh, you know a lot of the stock performance this year has been driven by seven stocks. Um, there seemed to be less of a, a, a an influence of them this month, and a more broader desire to see equity markets go higher. And if if you look at the bullish case for stocks, though those that are bullish, they seem to be relying on four things: no economic slowdown, inflation continues to decline, no surprises from the uh, from the Fed, and also no reduction in earnings as well. So that seems to be what's powering um, certainly the balls anyway um, into into uh, into twenty twenty four. But I presume also you know that needs everything that can go right to go right. But at the same time, if things start going wrong in one or two of those uh, factors, then next year presumably could be uh, a tough start. Mm. Well, 2022 is a year where you know, everyone was worrying about things going wrong. 2023 is a year that's a lot's gone right, um, and which has been a bit of a surprise. Mm. So there's been a bit of a catch-up here. 
uh, things have gone right. You know, who would have thought the Fed would have been able to manage a soft landing? Um, uh, uh, at the moment, it looks like they've, they've managed it extremely well. Um, but I do think that 2024 could be tougher. It might not be the year that people think. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, going into the end of the year, I think the stock market should, short of any exogenous shock, should finish strongly into the year end because I don't see any moves on rates uh, and the data should probably be fairly consistent. So, but yeah, come the end of first quarter next year, you might have a different story and we might be having a different conversation. So, um, yeah, beauty of beauty of markets and beauty of economics is it's not a science. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you compare where we are now to the beginning of the year, people were assuming most things were going to go wrong, weren't they? They were predicting a, a recession. They were predicting um, the, the Fed to carry on raising rates. Um, so and now we've got the opposite going into 2024, where everyone seems mm. to be very optimistic. So for the contrarian, um, which is, you know, uh, I think t- tends to be the better way to be sometimes. So rather than following the herd, you're probably a little bit biased to the deflationary view that you suggested and probably maybe a, a worse performance in equity. So um, the answer to that question is I don't know. I <laughs> try our best to manage it and look after uh, our clients' money, but, uh, uh, you know, keep them on a fairly steady track. But it, it could be an interesting 2024, which might surprise us either way. Mm. And presumably, do we have to keep an eye on bond yields? Because that seems to be a big driver at the moment of equities, doesn't it? It's significant that this month, um, bond yields have come off quite considerably from that. Well, the 10-year reached just over 5%. Um, it's down mm-hmm. about 75 basis points from, from there. Mm-hmm. Presumably, um, do we keep watching that? Is that going to be another major driver of what stocks do? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think it, it clearly you saw in September when bond yields spiked, um, that it, it really started to impact the equity market. Um, and as we've always said, you know, the earnings yield is driven by the function of, of the 10-year bond rate. Um, we're watching it. It seems to have settled. Um, uh, so around four and a half, probably where it settles for a little bit now. Um, if it tracks up towards that 5%, you'll see another move uh, and you'll see impact on equity. So we'll be watching it for sure. And what about Australian equities? For the month, the ASX 200 up 4.5%. Not the best in the world, but definitely not the worst in the world um, either. But what's the performance been like uh, for Australia? Well, we had a rate hike in November. So that probably um, held us back in terms of um, relative performance to the rest of the stock markets. And maybe our cycles are a bit behind. Um, uh, maybe we haven't quite completed the the peak in inflation, even though we're seeing it come off. There might be some stickiness there. So I think the, the performance was pretty good considering. Um, and uh, outlook for Australian economy is still pretty solid. Uh, so you know I think uh, you know it'll it'll be always driven by you know the drivers, which are more predominantly US. But uh, the Australian market's going okay. Okay, Toby. Well, thanks very much. Always a pleasure to talk with you and have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, who is the CEO of Staten Partners down in Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Thank you very much for listening this morning and this week. Don't forget to take a look at my daily newsletter, which is at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll have more business and finance updates for you on Monday. And joining me then are Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Simon Kavanagh, partner at BDA Partners. And providing a view from mainland China will be Yan Wu, the Chairman and CEO of Surfing Group. Have a great weekend. Money Talk.